hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Huns to Humans. I am here with Helen today, and I am so excited to hear your story. Um, you were in Amway, so like the biggest and the baddest, but then you also have a whole laundry list of other MLMs that we're going to end up talking about too. So I'm just so excited to hear your story. Well, thanks, Danielle. I'm excited to be here. It's uh taken me a long while to get here and unfortunately I still am in one email I'm not doing anything but yeah so I'm not quite out yet but that's okay <laughs> yeah well um I'm sure that it's only a matter of time <laughs> it, it is it's a matter of getting getting it done it's on my list but it's yeah. never actually happened yet so I will I understand my laundry list is so long <laughs> it's like oh, I gotta do that oh I gotta do that and it's just like one more thing that's like just such a pain to like the cancellation process for some of these companies is absolutely like mind boggling. Oh, some of them are so antiquated too. And on Melaleuca, mm-hmm. you have to fax in to fax. cancel. You have to fax in to cancel as I was just a um, like a client, like a buyer. Yeah. I had to fax in to cancel it. I couldn't do it online. Go figure. And who just has a fax machine? I mean, I know some people do, but like, who just has a fax machine? Nobody. <laughs> like, so I have to go to like the copy store and yep, be like, the post Here, office. $12 to fax this for you. Cause I'm pretty sure that's how much it cost the last time I had to go somewhere to fax something. Yeah. It's crazy. It was ridiculous. It was the most horrible thing. I'll talk a bit more about that, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Oh my God. That, that's talking uh, offline we were just talking about like time blindness <laughs> and like struggling with getting things done and like that would be such a like barrier for me to be like okay well I have to go somewhere and I have to do this and I have to submit this paper and I have to pay for it like especially once I know that like I want to be done with it it would just be such a barrier for me because I would just want to be done 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 well, the thing, the, the reason I got it done was because if you, I might as well say it now, yeah. if you, if you don't buy yourself a hundred dollars worth of products every month, they just send you a hundred dollars worth of products, a mixed no, bag. Absolutely not. No, they do. No, as, as no, client, I know. I'm, I'm saying yeah. like, absolutely not. You are not sending that to me. <laughs> I and as a client, and I'm going, oh, there's another hundred dollars I could have paid and got facts done. So in the end, it did, did get me to do it a lot quicker because otherwise you end up with a hundred dollars of product that you don't want. That's fair. That would probably drive me to do it too. 
Exactly. That's a good motivator for me. A hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. A hundred bucks is, is definitely. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. so what, um, where were you when MLMs found you? What was going on in your life and what was your first MLM? Like um, well, to actually join my first MLM was Amway. I was teaching in Australia. I'm Australian, obviously. Um, I was teaching. I was not and never have really been in a good space in my life. I dealt with, I say, alcohol was always my drug of choice. And probably from my teenage years, probably from 14, 15 on, um, I thought it was depression, but I didn't realize that till years later. But I was drinking, I was teaching, I was um, not in a good headspace. I had, I've always been a taller person, so I've always felt bigger. So it's always been, my head was, I'm too fat, I'm too ugly, I'm too this, I'm too that sort of thing, and nobody wants me. And so I would drink so I could go out and socialise and all that. So that's just where I was. And I did a teacher exchange over here in 1990, came back, got fit and healthy and when I was drunk one time, I stupidly said, oh, I'm fit enough. I can run a half marathon. I hate running. But then pride kicked in and I had to keep doing it. Um, hated every step I took. But anyway, the, there's a reason for this. I, in 92, ran a half marathon. All the endorphins hit me after I'd run it. So I went for lunch, started drinking at lunchtime. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was still drinking at the casino. I had to teach the next morning. Um, and that's where I met my sponsor. And I don't really remember talking to him but I must have been damn good because he contacted me. Um, <laughs> and he contacted me and said, do you want to come to a meeting? And it was on the Isle of Capri at the Gold Coast, which had phenomenal houses. So I said, yes, because I wanted to go and see the house. And I convinced my roommate to go with me. And I saw the plan of how it would work and give you independence in money. And I just went, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. And, it, and now when I realised it was more the not having to work nine to five, not having and having the independence and having eventually the money coming in where you didn't have to work and you could travel, you could do your own thing. Um, so I just started and I joined up. And of course, then you start going to weekly meetings. They had weekly meetings. You'd go once a week during the week. And it was always the same thing. And you always had to wear business suits or business attire. It was never casual. It was always business. And the people were lovely, but yeah. Um, this is Amway, right? I, I think I missed that. Yes, yeah, sorry, okay. this is Amway. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this okay. is Amway. Yeah, um, it sounds like Amway. Did I miss did I miss you? Saying no, it? no. <laughs> Amway's the one I've been in the longest. So I've technically been in it on and off since 92 until yeah. Wow, so that's I went a long to the, time. I'm sure you've seen some stuff. <laughs> oh yes, yes. So I kept going to the meetings and then you would read books, you'd listen to tapes and all that. And I still to this day, oh, I should say that when you when you join, you're not necessarily in Am, you're in Amway, but then you're also in one of the training systems. You can join Amway and not join them, but you don't get as far, or that's what they say. So I was in a training system and that's where you get all your books from and your tapes and everything. You buy them from your upline, um, which is where they make quite a bit of money. And But I still say that it saved my life because I started reading books, which gave me enough to suddenly go, oh, shit, I'm okay. I'm an okay person. I don't need to drink. I don't need to. I still drank, don't get me wrong, but I'm okay. And it gave me the confidence in myself a lot more to be who I am and not have to become this other person 
Um, so to me, an Australian system I was in is very different because I would go and I'd socialise with them and have barbecues, they'd drink and all that sort of stuff. It was very different over here in Canada. And um, so I would go to meetings. But I had some one girlfriend of mine, she contacted me. I, and, of course, then you didn't have internet, so you would do all, everything on the phone. So they'd say, and I hated doing it in front of people. So I'd have to sit at my house on the phone and contact people. And it was the most horrible thing. And I felt awful and I hated it. But I kept going, it's okay. You just got to get it so you don't have to work anymore. So you don't have to work anymore. But I hated it even from the start. I hated trying to convince people that it was something they needed to do and all this sort of stuff. So I never made any money. I spent more money than I made. I didn't make any in Australia. None. So I think that... um the so our society and the way that we structure our nine to five work week and working 40 hours I think is a big component about why MLMs are doing as well as they are because there are so many of us like we're overworked we're tired and like we're not as productive because we're working so much and so this like dream of work working less, having residual income. It just sounds so beautiful and magical and nice. And the way that these MLM companies pitch it, it just sounds like it can happen for anyone. And it can't. It, it gives you hope. Yeah. It gives you hope that there's something out there. And and at that time, there was no internet. So there wasn't any working on, on online stuff or working from home. And there were there wasn't really the option we have these days. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just gave me hope that I could, you know, I was getting to the point where I can't see myself teaching for another 30 odd years. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was only just early 30s at that point. I was 31 when I first joined. So, yeah. I also wanted to touch on what you said about the self-help books. And I think that that's a really good point because um, I definitely kind of resonated with what you said too. Um, when I was going through and reading the books, I felt like, oh my gosh, like I have hope. I felt like I could do better. I felt more motivated, all of this stuff. And like, I think that for the most part, what's happening is like some type of like cognitive behavioral, like therapy ish type of stuff where you're kind of rewiring those thought patterns in your brain, um, at least temporarily. And then this is something that I've struggled with a lot since I got out is like, I know that these books in this context were manipulative, but I got something positive out of some of them, you know? And so like trying to discern what of this is good and what of this is not good and manipulation is so hard, especially when it comes to like the self-help stuff. It is, and I've got certain books that I love and sometimes I go, I just can't read it again. Like I, I had to get rid of them because I can't even see them on my shelf because they're so triggering yeah. for me for what I went through. And I just went, I just can't. And I like the idea because I, I like the self-improvement. I think we should all be improving and learning and changing. And if we're not, and as far as I'm concerned, you're dead. Um, it, it's, you have to learn and change every day. It's, it's what happens. But, yeah, and then with the books and the tapes and the tapes, some of them I couldn't stand their accents, so I would just get rid of them. <laughs> They were also good because some of them were just real people and to me it was oh my gosh and I could relate to them until you dive and you get into it longer and further and you suddenly go oh what they say on stage is not necessarily how they live um, right. and that's a big thing I found um, so and the love bombing helped me 
here were people who just loved me for who I was. There was no, what I thought, no expectations. So, which was wrong. And then I started going to conventions while I was there. Like just Brisbane was an hour away. That was the, the capital city of Queensland. And But they'd be these big conventions and they'd have entertainment and they'd have the big blow-up balls they'd be tossing around with music going to start with. And, and I loved it because it was high energy. It was a lot of happy people. It was, you know, it makes you feel good. But right. again, it's, yeah. I think that so many of us have struggled with like not feeling accepted or like, you know, depending on who, who you are and what your life was like growing up, you know, like you're struggling with your attachment styles and, um, you know, you go into these groups and they just are like accepting you with open arms and they're loving you and they want to do stuff with you. And like, like I, I, and when I was in Arbonne, like they were like, oh, like, let's go to this apple orchard and like all of this stuff. And I was like, this is so exciting. Like they want to do stuff with me, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, like, yeah, I have friends and, um, it, it's just, it's so exciting to someone who's struggling with feeling connected to people and struggling to feel accepted. And then you go into these communities and it's like so much love and good feelings. And, and like, obviously I'm saying all of this and I know that it, that's part of the manipulation, but like, why can't we just be like that? Like, why can't we all just love and accept each other? Like, that's what we want. I know. And it's, it's hard because it's, it's you, you really enjoy it, but then you suddenly go, oh, it sounds weird. And then you have other people, my roommate at the time, she, and we're still great friends even now, but um, she, I wasn't good at giving my feelings over. I had two lives. I had my happy-go-lucky life that everybody saw, mm-hmm. and then I had my not-so-good life where I was drinking and and doing that, and, and when I drank, I would end up in the night probably crying or sleeping around or whatever. It was not good. Um and when I talked to her the first time about my feelings about stuff and she told me I've been brainwashed through Amway, which was probably true. Yeah. But that didn't help me at that point in my life. Right. And yeah. yeah. When you're in, like, I, I really strongly think that like, like sometimes like if you get the information indirectly that you're being brainwashed or like something like that, then you start to be like, huh, not me huh, maybe, huh, let me think about it. You know, like you start to question it more and more and more. But when somebody comes right at you and is like, you're in a cult, you're being brainwashed, this isn't good, you're wasting your money, you're scamming people, you're like, you get defensive. And it's like, no, I'm not. Like, why would I do that? Like, I'm not going to do something like that. Like, I'm not, you know, and this is the thing that we all come back to, right? Like, I'm not an idiot. We're not. We're being brainwashed. We're being manipulated. And like, it's not our fault. Yeah, and it's 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 not like I'm not I'm not a stupid person. No, I'm not gullible. None of us I'm not, are. No, of and us that's are it. Stupid. No, and it's it's I think I just put it off as oh because we were drinking buddies and we'd go out drinking all the time and that sort of thing and I just put it off as oh I'm changing and she doesn't like the change right. and it's not that's not the case it's just that she doesn't like the change so I put it off onto her sort of thing. Um, yeah so that was that was interesting anyway so then I didn't do anything I I didn't like it I didn't like making the phone calls I didn't like um, you know because I lost one friend in particular which I've never had contact with her again which is uh, you know and because she said if that's the way you do and she had to write me a letter (laughs) 
I received the letter in the mail because she said, if this is how you're doing business, because I would send flyers of that they gave you to send to people, um, as I say, because it was pre-internet. So I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel good. I was in tears sometimes with my uplines. And anyway, so then I did my teacher exchange. I'd done that. And then I moved back north to my family. I, I quit teaching and I moved. And so I kind of, that was around 96. So I kind of didn't do anything with it from 96 for the next two years. So I was out. I didn't buy anything. I didn't do anything. I let it go. Then I moved to, I was offered a job and moved to Canada in 98. And I went, oh my gosh. And at that point, Amway had become, had been turned over to the kids and was now online and was now Quickstar. It didn't last for long. Um, so I contacted my upline and said, look, I'm moving. Can you put me in touch with someone? So they put me in touch with someone in Portland, Oregon, um, who was in Quickstar. And so I contacted them when I came over here and I rejoined. Still didn't. And, and nothing really happened because that's four or five hours drive for me. And I was working at, I was a living residence for teenage kids. So a residence manager. So I couldn't just go off for a weekend or a few days. It was it was one of those full-time jobs that you just didn't, yeah. That, that job is very, very hard. And I give you so much credit for doing it because I mean, I've uh, done similar things and it was hard work, so. Yeah, it was, it was a foundation. I loved the kids and I still have what I call my kids, some of them, um, but it could be anywhere from two kids. I was living in with a beautiful house, everything, you know, a million dollar house. It was a lot of money in the foundation just run by a crazy lady. Um, so <laughs> that's a whole different story. So and you were spending so much time working that you weren't really able to work your business. No. And I, I did would buy stuff and it would get delivered for myself, but I'd never contacted anyone. I never really did anything. Um, so I just, it just sort of went by the wayside. Then that job ended. And then I think it was 2001 or 2002, I then started working for St. George's Boys School, driving their school buses. And um, that's where I met my, so I let it lapse. So I sort of went out and Quickstar also was on the outs. So I met my upline then, and he was a friend of mine, and he was in the IT department at St. George's, and we became good friends. And But now when I look at it, I think, no, he became friends with me because he was hoping to to sponsor me that was and you know sort of thing and um he took me to a what they call we used to do quick um christmas in november and it was like where you'd they'd have all different products out for the christmas stuff so you could go and do your christmas shopping it was laid back it was easy it was you know you could just have these personal shoppers with you and um all that sort of thing that was how we used to promote it come and have a lot of fun try the products you know all this sort of stuff so i went with him to his upline and i saw what it was and i saw that it was amway not understanding that it was the um training system that I would be getting involved with and it was different to Australia's it was a different training system the one here that I got involved with was worldwide and I just looked at it and I said to him you have to get me involved with these people again because I knew what it had done for me in Australia and how much it had helped and little did I know that that wasn't going to be the case and so that was and I became and I became friends with his sponsor 
who eventually became my employers and I moved in and became their nanny. So I moved in and they said, will you come and nanny for us? Because the bus driving thing couldn't offer me enough money, that sort of thing. So I said yes. And But the, before I did, we used to, he, my sponsor and I, sometimes he didn't have a car and I didn't own a car because I lived in the city. So I just had my bike and I had a bus pass. And we would go by bus, public bus, to pick up our orders. Um, <laughs> it was the strangest couple of years until I moved into the house. And one time we went with his car and we're coming back. And then the, you had to go no matter what. We went in a snowstorm. We're driving back home and I didn't like him driving. I thought he was erratic. And anyway, <laughs> we did a 360 on the freeway and sort of ended up the side. And I'm just going, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? So it was, it was a wild ride. And then they said, will you come and work for us? And this is the deal. You can go to, you'll never have to look up the kids for meetings, conferences, all that sort of stuff, because we want you to grow your business. But will you come and live with us? We'll give you a small, I think it was $1,000 a month. I can't even remember. And then they paid for my accommodation, food, and all that sort of stuff. I said, sure, I'd love to. And I thought it was great because I'd be close to them. I could learn more. I could have more. Um, you know, they would teach me more. I could have more and I'd get further along in business and all that. Well, no, all I saw was the back end of everything um, as well. So, so I lived with them for six and a half years with their kids and I spent a lot of time. I look at it now and it was funny because you were groomed to believe that serving your upline for free was something that it was expected of you and it was a good thing because then you'd have that contact you'd have that you know you'd be in touch with them and all this sort of thing so if that you know whatever it was what a privilege what a privilege right oh it was such a privilege <laughs> but it got to the point where whenever you were asked to come over to the house I mean I live there but other people it was because they needed people to help them do the gardening or decorate the house and but it's a privilege because then you can hang out with your upline and see the personal side of them and all this and I just went and I know people even I'm friends with now who said we stopped going because we felt that's the only reason they ever invited us over I said it was they didn't have friends they didn't have friends in that respect they had upline downline crossline and you never socialize with the crossline oh my god if you talk to anyone that wasn't in your direct line of sponsorship and I did I used to get my hands slapped all the time but it, it yeah it's it's sorry I'm I keep no, I keep going to all different things because it's I, all scrambled in that, my head I think that that's really important because I always think that that's really interesting because like the sideline stuff is just so like I don't really get it like I know that they don't want you to talk to your sideline because they don't want you to realize like they don't want you guys to kind of like commiserate together um or like point out any of the flaws but you would think that having more connections within the organization is going to keep you in longer so I, I I don't really get it well the reasons we were giving was twofold one was business-wise it's because they may give you incorrect information on how to go about because they said this is what you do, this is how you do it, and they said they may do it a little differently and it's like Chinese whispers that eventually it might get changed and also that they maybe they do it a little different in their line of, you know, sponsorship than we do sort of thing. So that was their 
reason for that. They keep you very isolated. Much as you socialise with them within the group, you don't have anything to do with them outside of those meetings. Um, I remember one time, and this will give you another, this is the personal side of what they tell you. I um, was looking at, um, like, my faith at that time and where I sat and all this sort of stuff, and there was one lady that I really liked. She was so strong in her faith, and I wanted, I liked her, and I wanted to find out how it was that she kept going with all of this. I had to get permission from my upline, Emerald, to talk to her about my Christian faith because if I didn't get, if I talked to her rather than my upline about it, it took away the chance for my upline to help me or to understand me or to give me direction. And they were in control of every single aspect of your life. Um, And I had to get permission to talk to this woman about how do you stay a godly woman? How do you stay, how do you keep your faith? How do you, what do you do every day to, you know, to do this sort of thing? And whether or not it was the same faith, it didn't, it wasn't, but I just knew that she had a good basis for whatever she believed in, but I had to get permission to talk to her about it. Wow. Go figure. Yeah. You you know, uh, while you're saying that my brain's just going like, my alarm bells of like domestic violence, <laughs> domestic violence. <laughs> you know, like you, that you become isolated, right? Yeah, you become isolated. You become where you only talk to the people they want you to, and it's it's just. And, and I know my personality started changing. That was the thing that got me. It's because I love people. I love talking to people. I love finding out their backgrounds. I, I my thing is, I don't care what age you are. You can be one, and you can still teach me something. Yeah. Everybody can teach you something every day. And I just love talking to people and finding out, particularly older people, I'm going, where, you know, their lives and their backgrounds. And I hated it in the end because every conversation I had felt like it was an ulterior motive. The conversation you always had to bring out and drop balloons past their heads, see if they bit, and, you know, put these little bits to see if they were interested. And we used to practice conversations we used to do role playing in in trainings of conversations to have with people um you know like starters for conversation what's your starter how do you start a conversation we used to have role plays for and do role plays for objections well someone says they don't have enough time what do you say and we used to actually literally role play these conversations objections what if they say amway's a pyramid scheme well this is what you say and who else does that? <laughs> well, you, you know, you're saying that and I'm sitting here going another thing, right? Another thing that is dual sided. Like we do role plays all the time in therapy, depending on what kind of therapy you're doing. Like if you're working on social skills, like if you're on like the autism spectrum and you're struggling with making connections with people, we might practice how to talk to people. And that's totally fine and good because we want you to make connections, right? But then you take it and you give it to a cult and they take these things and they just use it to manipulate you and to control you and to control who you're talking to and to control how you're talking to people like in this context they're using it to make sure you're in line with what they want instead of bettering yourself as a person yeah and it it didn't fit with my personality it didn't fit with who I was it didn't fit and I just started backsliding in I didn't like myself and I didn't because I was so 
it was so awful and and it was just I wouldn't I'd feel sleazy and I'm going when I was teaching if someone said oh well I don't like teaching I go okay don't you don't have to so I would towards the end I mean there was a lot more there was a lot more things that they were in control of your finances and I do give credit to my upline emeralds she was an accountant and she taught me how to budget I hadn't I didn't you know and no no disrespect to my parents it's just I never learned how to budget and I wasn't good at it and I think a lot of it is just who I am um but she did teach me how to budget and there was a lot of good stuff I learned from that and and and, you know I thought we were close friends but anyway um so there was a lot of things that they would keep control of there was times when I'd be in tears because they go you can't afford it in your budget to fly home to Australia when I think about it now I think who the hell are you to tell me whether I can go home and see my family? I mean, or, you know, do a trip or whatever. And and I just thought, you know, but I followed it. I did it blindly. I just went, okay, she, they obviously know best. And, yeah, and I just went, it's it's so manipulated. When I think about it now, it's, it's cultish, it's abusive, it's a friend of mine who's a close friend and they left first, him, her and her husband, but he lived in the house too that's how I met him he lived in the house with them he they would rent their basement to people they thought were going to do business and do it or already in but they thought they were going to be great so he was in the basement and by the time he left because he'd been there for so long he could not make a decision by himself because everything had to get passed if you wanted to spend money whether it was over and you'd have a limit like even ten dollars or fifty dollars for you to spend more than that, you had to get permission from your upline. And they'd look at what it was, what you're buying, all this sort of stuff. The, the more I'm thinking about your story, the more like, like my chest is like getting so tight because I'm thinking about, so you were, you were a living nanny, right? Yes. <clears throat> so they were controlling your finances they were yep. controlling what you were saying to people. Like you couldn't leave. Like you couldn't leave. Like, couldn't. I, I had nowhere to go. And like, they didn't want you to go home to Australia because they didn't want you to take a break from Amway and start to realize that you were being controlled. Like that is like such a domestic violence relationship. Like if you took out Amway and like your upline and everything and you put in a partner that's an abusive relationship like yeah it, you're just missing the physical abuse which there isn't always physical abuse in abusive relationships right so like it's a really scary when you think about like how south that could go and like I know that like there are um like you know people that are into true crime and stuff like there are cases of like MLM crimes and stuff like that where oh yeah um things like that happen and like that setup is so scary to me because that could have turned a totally different direction from where you are now yeah and I never saw it as being abusive or anything like that it was I was being helped and I was being right but it wasn't and there was um just in the time I was there I found them to be very hypocritical not so much the wife but the husband for sure um because he was one of the leaders in the area and you know conferences and they were you know emeralds so they were quite high and um and then they had their upline who was a diamond who I disliked from the moment I met him was before I actually joined and they had their Christmas ornament um 
sort of things where people would have make a Christmas ornament, what, what the business meant to them, and then you'd hang it on the tree and all this sort of stuff. Or, and he turned up and it was a it was a privilege for you to be slaving downstairs in their basement kitchen um, in their house to be cooking dinner for this um, upline diamond. And he arrived and it was at the ornament thing and I'm just going, he's so rude, he's just on his phone and he's not really taking notice and people are, they're clamouring to have contact with him and, and because he would come and stay, that was also one of my things of living with them. When he would come to stay, I would give up my bedroom. So I couldn't have personal stuff out because when he came to stay, he didn't want to walk in and feel like he was giving up like in somebody's bedroom. It was more like a hotel room. So that made a difference to me on how I kept my bedroom because it was my space and just things like that. And I went, and it was, he was such a sleaze. I remember <laughs> and I knew, we all knew he slept around. We all knew that he was single and good for him. Look, I don't judge him in that respect, but I'm going, I went to change the sheets on my bed after he'd stayed for a couple of days and he would come up sometimes for a week so I'd be sleeping in one of the kids rooms I wouldn't have my room and uh I went to change the sheets and I went oh that's disgusting there was a pair of his jocks at the bottom of the sheets and I went oh my god I didn't need to know what you were doing in my bed um I knew but I didn't need to find evidence of it so yeah things like that were just horrible oh um but anyway, it, it was hard and I couldn't leave. But I saw, you know, the husband would say at meetings, you know, that he works so hard and and that, you know, he never gets sick. And, and I'd see him playing games on his phone and sleeping on the couch. And I just found him very rude because you'd go for you'd go to council with them and he would be playing video games. And I felt like say, put your fucking phone down and listen to me. I need help. I'm asking for help. I'm not succeeding in this. You're supposed to be helping me. You say everyone matters, but I didn't feel that at all. Like it, and it was always, as you say, it was always my fault. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't going out. You would have um, a list of things to do every day um, that you would try to do your streak as many days as possible in a row. And it was like, read for 10 minutes, do your affirmations, use your products. But the other one was start three conversations or 10 conversations with people and you couldn't go home until you had finished them all. So if I hadn't met 10 conversations, I'd be out sometimes till two o'clock in the morning going to gas stations to pretend to fill up or going to coffee shops and that so I could just say to someone, oh, I love your scarf, it's really good, and maybe start a conversation. Not get anything from it, but just to say I'd started the conversations. And I just went, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and it was horrible. Sleep deprivation again. Like you're, and especially since you were in the position of a live-in nanny, you're not necessarily leaving the house all the time. No. And even if you took the kids out, I would try to start conversations. It didn't matter. Um, but it was the fact that I felt I couldn't go home until I'd done it. So I'm driving around and I would lie a lot. It caused me to lie so much about what, yep, I did that and I'd make up conversations that I'd had with people when I was telling them and I, because I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home and sleep. I just wanted to, I'd been looking after the kids all day and then I had to go out and I had to borrow their car because I didn't have a car and I couldn't afford to buy a car. And so I had to borrow their car all the time and they had two, so I would borrow one of them. I, but I had to make sure I could. And it was just, it, as you say, it's, it's, you're very insulated. And then um, 
And there were so many things, so many stories. Now when I look at it, I go, oh, my God, that's just disgusting. Um, just the way, like, our, their upline talk to people was abusive. Like, he was very abusive. My, uh, my direct sponsor ended up working for him in the States free of charge because it was a privilege. It wasn't until years later that we found out that he was really physically and verbally abusive to this, to my direct sponsor, like physically abusive to him. And he was, he was not a nice person. It was, a, this is what you see in the public and this is what you see at home. And it was two very different people, um, which is normal. It's what they, they do. So I, I'm just trying to think of the timeline. And then there was one, I have to tell you this, because this is one I went, oh my God, what are you doing? Not me, but them. They would have um, people downstairs renting. And one of the, there was two guys, single guys renting, and it was expensive. And at one point they said, look, for you two to grow your business more and so on, I think you two need to share a bedroom and your other room needs to be like a product room office. These are guys in their 30s, all of a sudden being told, share a bedroom and then use your second bedroom for your office and product room. They did it. I'm thinking, oh, my God, are you crazy? And they just did it because they thought that was, you know, the upline knew everything. And I just went, oh, my God. So. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. So, anyway, getting back on track, I made really good friends with the guy who lived downstairs originally before this. And then he met a girl. He, spon- he was trying to sponsor her. They ended up becoming dating and they ended up marrying and they got two kids and I'm fa- their family to me. They helped me when I left. Um, I became really close friends with the wife and um, we would get our hands slapped all the time because she was cross line and we didn't care. And then uh, that's, there's a whole different, but they left and they were vilified when they left. They left before I did. And they were vilified. They were told they were, you know, this, that and the other and everything I did for them. And she'd gone through cancer and my boss, my upline, Emerald, would say, you know, I helped him and, you know, I helped her so much. And we'd go, you did deadly squat for her. I ran her to appointments half the time. And then her husband, now husband, he was the one holding her hair up when she was puking from chemotherapy and, and just so anyway, there was all that and they were vilified, but it ended up the last 18 months I was with even friends with them. Once I moved out, I was on this friends, this couple's couch for almost 18 months in tears all the time. I said, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my personality is. I just don't. And I spent months because I knew that if I decided to leave, and walk away, I would never see those kids again. And I'd lived with them for six and a half years. Mm-hmm. I knew that it wouldn't happen. And I ended up, the best thing that happened was I ended up going, I moved out because she didn't need me anymore. The kids were older and I went, I'm not a cleaner. That's not, that's what she needed. And I went, I'm not a cleaner. I don't do that. Um, and that's all she wanted. So I moved out, and which was fine. We're still on good terms. Then I went to Australia to work for three months. And I decided when I came back, well, these friends of mine were in a different MLM, Vaisalis, and it was a more healthy drink sort of thing. And I came back and I went, this is so different. And I eventually said to my, uh, to the wife, uh, my upline, I said to her, I wanted to meet with her. I said, I need to talk to you. And um, she said, yeah, I think you do. And 
She said, come over to the house. And I went, no, I'd rather go to somewhere neutral because I didn't want to see the husband. I didn't like him, I decided. I didn't like him. And we met at a coffee shop and I told her that I was walking away because I hadn't done anything. I said, I'm walking away from Amway, but I'm also walking away from Worldwide. And she was in tears. And but I think she knew she was losing another friend and she'd never. And she said, you know, this changes our friendship. And I said, I know. I didn't have any tears. I'd cried myself out by that time because yeah. I knew. And I went, if I was in real estate and I moved to a different real estate company, you don't abandon, you don't stop talking to people. And I knew that every single friendship I'd made, except for one in particular, um, she's still a really close friend of mine. And every friendship I made, I knew that I would never speak to those people again. They wouldn't speak to me. Right. Because I'm not involved anymore. So therefore it's, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, it, I just had a thought and it's gone. Um, hold on. Let me see if I get it back. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, um, you know, when you work at wherever, any job, typically you're, you know, you're coworkers or boss or whatever is sad to see you go. Like, obviously it's a loss for the company, but you know, there should be some sense of like, oh, I helped you to get here. Like, I like you are now a better XYZ employee because of the time and effort that like we put in together to help get you here. And now you're moving on to these other things that are, are hopefully going to be great for you. And like, like there should be some sense of like pride and like being proud of the person. And that never happens in MLM. <laughs> It doesn't. I mean, I've worked at different jobs and you move on and you say, oh, let's keep in touch. You never do because both of you get busy, but it's not like you couldn't call them up and go, hey, how are you doing? What are you? There was was no way that I would have any contact with anybody after that. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being friends with people because of proximity. You know, like a lot of people like feel upset about that, but you know, it's true. A lot of times we are friends with people because we're around them a lot and it's, you're easily accessible and it's a mutual thing for both people. Typically, you know, like you're both working in the same place. You're both bumping elbows all the time. So it's like, okay, awesome. We're friends. We get along. This is fantastic. And you know, it's all about whether or not you're able to continue to do that. And because when you're working with someone, your scheduled time is together yeah, you know, it's hard sometimes to move those people into your un unwork time, unwork time. Yep. Okay, we're going with yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, but, and it's yeah. And then I saw, so I I I left. I made that decision. I left, and the one friend who's still really close friend, she just recently got married, and so we don't see as much each other now, but we still do dinners like at least once a month. She comes over um she's a great friend love her dearly and she would do anything for me like she's that sort of person she's the one I've called and same with her with me but then these these other friends of mine I was so happy to be out of all that and I went there in by sellers and they did not approach me they did not try to do it because they knew where I was at because they'd been through it all with leaving worldwide and um, they had a lot of trauma we always joke that we needed to have a worldwide trauma meeting every so often like a <laughs> so everyone can get this and there was a lot of people that were still friends who had been in worldwide we all used to get together and talk about different things and but I asked them about it a because it was a health thing and 
at that point, I was always trying to find diets that would work and all this sort of stuff <clears throat> for me because I've always struggled with my weight. And the other thing I found was that the what I thought was the culture was different. You could talk to anybody. You could work with anybody. You could do it, you know, and, and I still believed in the um, system and I still believed in that this was the way I could make money and I still believed in all that and it gave me hope that I didn't have to work nine to five and so it Visalis just seemed better because you could go to these meetings and wear whatever you liked and where you had to wear a suit or you had to wear you know suit business attire and I went you say it's for everyone but then you make everyone change to fit the mold whereas Visalis didn't seem to do that so I kind of like that so I got involved with them and I did great on it for a while not making money but health-wise made a little bit of money but not a lot um but in the end I just I saw how they got treated when they made a lot of money and they did well in it they had an autistic son so they needed 40,000 a year minimum just for his he got diagnosed at two so they needed it just for his behavioral interventionists to help him that was I needed for him let alone for them with their daughter and them to live so they did they did make money they did do well but then I saw how they were treated when she got sick and she battled cancer again and then she got sick and the husband said I have to step away because I'm it's time for me to look after my wife well you'd think that he had made the worst decision in his life and I'm going, hang on a minute, isn't that why we're building these companies so that we can live our life and have residual income and we don't have to work all the time and we can do what we want to do? Because that's how I saw it. You build an income, you do whatever you want to do. And that didn't happen. And I just went, this is wrong. So that's when I started going, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and that's when I started getting really not anti-MLMs, but going, I don't want to be a business what they call a business owner anymore for any of these because it's it's not working for me I'm obviously I'm the one at fault I can't make it work um so that kind of went by the wayside and then I I still believed it worked so I would try um all these different things and then I tried um I think then I went to Longevity and Mealicia and Mealicia was a jewellery and I always say to people, I'm a jewellery and a stationary whore. It's what I am. I have a little alcove in my basement suite right now. It's my jewellery and my accessories area. I have necklaces. And I'm not kidding. I own more money in jewellery and everything like that and accessories than I do. And someone said, why? And I said, because accessories fit. I grew up not being able to buy clothes in the store or not feeling like I'm, you know, thin enough, small enough accessories fit you never have to worry about scarves fitting you or necklaces or earrings or handbags or you know that sort of stuff so that's why I I do love it I love the sparkle I love the the jewelry I love that so so I did that and then they changed to longevity which was then um that brought in a lot of other companies similar to Amway where you had all these other companies that you had access to that you would get money on but it was never much it was, wasn't the, the mainstay of whatever it was, was, you know, like Amway, the main, their, their line of products is where you made the money, not um, if you made money from it. The rest was always sponsoring. So I got in that, but then I still didn't like the having parties or making phone calls. And so I just would buy the stuff for myself. So I, I just, a lot of these companies, I just let it lapse. 
because I just didn't want it. But I'd been more, I'd been two or three at once. I'm not kidding. And then I became, through a friend, I said, yeah, sure, I'll do Melaleuca just to be, help you and just to buy the products because I like Melaleuca natural tea tree oil. I grew up on that. So I went to Melaleuca and then um, it's, as I said, you had to fax. I just became a client. You had to fax in to quit. And I'm going, seriously, otherwise you got spent, you got sent $100 every month worth of product. If you didn't order it, they'd send you a mixed bag of it. I'm just going, I can't do this anymore. Um, Then I was in Arbonne for quite a while because someone I knew was in it and it was a really good deal on face skincare. And I, I still believed it worked. I just didn't think I did could make it work. I still believed it was my fault. I still believed that I was the one, why can't I make it happen? What, what am I doing wrong? And that was always, which is no good for your mental state because you just keep beating yourself up all the time and you just keep going, what is wrong with me? Why can't I make it work? Why can't I be making the money? I didn't want to earn a lot. I just wanted enough $2,000 a month and I'd be happy just to pay all my bills and all that sort of stuff. I didn't need a lot. I didn't want millions. Why can't I do that? What's wrong with me? And so I was in that for a while. I've still got enough arb on here to keep me going until I die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend come through. She's coming over and helping me do some purging and all that. And she went, seriously, how many night creams do you need? I said, they were on sale at the time where I got them for free. I think I've got like, seven night creams still and she said are you ever going to use them I said I don't know but I can't physically throw them out yet because it's too much money and I just can't get rid of them yet and I know I struggled with that too especially with Arbonne and the skincare was so expensive it's so expensive but yeah that night cream we got that for free all the time (laughs) (laughs) they really wanted us to have (laughs) night cream (laughs) yeah so I just and then I was Tupperware I have enough Tupperware to sink a ship right now because I was I was a friend's client thinking I'm doing them the favor and I don't mind because I like the containers and it helps me keep organized and all that and Tupperware is good you can put all of your night cream in your Tupperware oh trust me I've got other containers for that but yes (laughs) (laughs) I'm going oh my god do you and when I moved I went I had bags like big garbage bags of Tupperware and this friend who helped me move the husband of the my friends and he went, do you think you've got enough? And I said, I don't know yet. I don't know. I might need to get some more. Well, I, in the end, I, I had to stop buying from her. She did. She moved on to a different one. She moved on to a tea company. I'm still, now that's the one I'm still in. And I went, and I became a, um, a seller of it, simply because it was something I didn't actually realise I was becoming it. I saw a package deal of some stuff and I went, oh, I like that. I want that. And I suddenly went, oh, shit, you've become a business owner. <laughs> but I became disillusioned and so that was I'm still in but it just it just wrecked me emotionally because I and it's only just now since I found you guys I found you through Leah Remini Scientology and all that I love all that stuff I love true crime I love all that but then I found Roberta and then I found you and it's only since listening to you guys and doing some stuff and listening to all the stuff about MLMs and their ponzonomics and I've got that book and um, and I just went, oh, my God, it's not me. So it's only in the last six months or so that I've gone, it's not me. It's, it's I'm not, I wasn't failing. Well, I, I was, but it wasn't my fault. 
sort of thing in a lot of ways it wasn't that I didn't do enough work or it wasn't that I was never really going to get to where they wanted where I wanted to be um so it's it's interesting so I'm still I still don't know what I want to do because I'm just diving through all this and trying to make myself realize that I'm okay I'm intelligent I'm bright I can do whatever I want I can succeed and all that sort of stuff so and look I'm turning 61 well I'll be 61 probably by this time comes out and I just went I still don't know what I want to do and it's it's a struggle because it's emotionally and I'm going I'm going to have to do something but it's it's hard it's because and there's so many triggers that come up all the time so and um yeah it's I just found I just in the end it was the hypocrisy it was the I just couldn't and the fact that I just kept losing myself in I don't know I don't like who I am I, I don't I stopped talking to people because I just felt like I was always an ulterior motive and I didn't like that feeling so it was it was tough um it's yeah I just find it so emotionally oh here's a story from that way <laughs> This this is one of the ones I went, oh, my God, what the fuck are they doing? My upline emeralds, one of the people that got sponsored was this guy who, young guy, who was, um, he was a skier and he was training to get in on the road to becoming an Olympian here in Vancouver. And one of the ways they got him involved was, well, wouldn't it be great if you could build your business and then you wouldn't have to worry about sponsorship and you wouldn't have to worry about trying to do a job and training for the Olympics and all this. And it makes perfect sense. It's just not necessarily the way to go about it. Like it makes sense. You've got money coming in. You don't have to have a job where you have, you can still train. You can do your job, you know, part-time. It's never freaking part-time. It's more time than you want to do. Um, anyway, it wasn't until after I'd left, I suddenly heard that they had convinced him to stop training and going for the Olympics and work at his Amway job, his Amway business, full-time. And I, I was horrified. And I thought, how dare you tell someone to stop training for their Olympic dream and to work on your business? And it just, for me, I just went, oh, my God, that's one of the ultimate. I went, no. No that's just manipulating to its extreme. So, and there was a lot of cases like that where, you know, people were told to do certain things and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. But I didn't see that there were a lot of other options at that point and I wasn't, you weren't allowed to go onto the internet and you weren't allowed to, to look up things and they'd say, well, if you go on and you hear stories like this about, you know, your diamond, diamond it's, they're all lies and he was abusive. He was abusive to his wife. She was sort of you know his ex-wife and there were stories and you were told well no it's just it's just you know it's like anything in a cult you, it's not they're all false and they're all you know um so it's it was uh it's been a road <laughs> yeah. it's been a road so so from 92 and I'm technically still in it so it's been 30 years yeah that's a long time but it's I'm so time. glad that you're you're finally on the other side. Well, you're almost there. You're just got I'm one toe there. left. Yeah. <laughs> got but one it's, toe it's, in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One more. One more. So, um, but it's it's just 
it's still taking a long time for me to unpack exactly what's gone on all those years and how it's affected me. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard because you don't want to believe that of yourself too. That's the problem is I don't want to believe that I got caught up and I got so far down the rabbit hole, but you don't think you're down a rabbit hole until you're so far down and you just go, Oh, how did I get here? It's like, you know, how did I get to the point where someone's telling me what to do every second of the day? And how did I get to the point where they're telling me that, well, don't have contact with your friends or family if they don't support you? And how did you get to the point where, you know, you just don't go out anymore unless it's these people that you're socialising with? And so you're telling me I can only talk to any in this organisation. In this organisation, I can only talk to my direct sponsor and my upline. And then the next in line was our diamond I didn't have anyone else to talk to. Right. Um, and, and I just went, this is crazy. So so there you go. That's the basic story of mine and how they've messed me up emotionally. And uh, trust me, I can do that all by myself. I didn't need anyone to help me with that. Oh, um, <laughs> we are all perfectly capable. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I can do that all by myself. <laughs> um. Well, that this has been amazing. Do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on before I ask you my final question? I don't think so. I mean, there's so much more, but it's so much to unpack in one because it was a span of 30 years. There's so much more to to do. And I just, no, I think I've I've said everything I need to say right now. All right. Well, thank you so much. So so the final question is, what is your anti-MLM why? My why is that I guess I want to get myself back. And I don't like the fact that they change people so much um, and change them emotionally. And it's, it is so triggering and you change emotionally. So that you, your whole personality changes. I don't care who you are. Your personality changes because you're told to change. You're told to fit into this and this is what you do. And I, that's why I'm just going, and all the people, most of the people in it, as we all say, most of them are really good people and I hate seeing them in it and changing and, and struggling and thinking it's their fault and it just messes you up so much. So that's my auntie and I'm just going, you're preying on people and you're preying on people like myself who were vulnerable at the time and you take advantage of it. So I hate the fact that they change people so much and mess them up so much. So that's my, um, yeah, I guess that's my auntie. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much. Um, can you let people know how they can find you if anyone connected with your story or wants to chat more? Yes, I Instagram, I'm Dragonfly Helen. A lot of stuff, I love Dragonfly, so a lot of my stuff's Dragonfly stuff. So I'm Dragonfly Helen. Um, I think that's what it is. Yes, that's what it is. Um, I am on Facebook, Helen Winter. Um, again, I think it's, yeah, it's just Helen Winter. Um, and I'm also thinking of going back to, I like writing and I write how I speak. So I've got a blog, which I haven't done in years, but I'm thinking of going back to blogging, which um, makes me happy. And it's called More Ask Than Class, which is definitely an Australian saying. And um, it's just a mishmash of everything. It's not anything in particular. It's just about me and what I've gone through. And I talk about the depression side of my life and, um, things like that and so that will be up and running again more so I want to get into that but that's about it 
So I don't do TikTok. I don't do um, tweets. I don't do Twitter. I've tried it and it's too it's too much for me. It overwhelms me way too much and I don't want to get caught up doing that all the time. So I just stay away from it. That's how I feel about Twitter too. I actually I <laughs> had the app on my phone for like years and I never use and I just deleted it this week because I was like, you don't use this. It's just taking up space. Like get rid yeah. of it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind going on sometimes if I'm looking for certain people or if I'm yeah. following them. But for me to do it, it's because you have to keep it constant. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook, I do a lot of it to keep in touch with people overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy it because I enjoy just taking photos and I'm very blunt about who I am. Someone said one time, I'm going to post that and embarrass you. And I said, have you seen my account? I said, trust me, the things I post, I embarrass myself enough. You don't need to get involved. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm, what you see is what you get. I don't believe in this only putting up the best things in life and my best picture and um, that sort of stuff. And that's the same with my blogging. I'm, I'm not into that. That's not who I am. Um, so it's, and, and you know, that's what it is. So yeah. And I would love to talk to anybody who wants to talk about anything. I love people. I love talking to people. I love, I'm not a professional. So I will always say, I can't help you with that. You need to go and talk to someone who's a professional. I don't think that I can help people with stuff, but I just love communicating. I love making people laugh. Right. It's always my daily thing. Make at least one person laugh. Yeah, and you're doing good. there's nothing wrong with connecting with people who have had similar experiences and like sometimes like talking with someone who just really gets exactly what you've gone through is like invaluable and um so I definitely encourage if something you know from this podcast episode struck home with you uh definitely reach out because it's important. It's important to find those people that get what you've gone through. And yeah. um, also it's nice, you know, on the other end too, to have somebody reach out and say like, oh my God, I listened to your podcast episode and thank you so much. Like this meant so much to me. And like, I'm so glad that you spoke up because that happened to me too. Yeah. There was a couple of people on yours and Roberta's and I went and they were talking actually about worldwide and I went, oh my God, and I'm sitting there listening to go, oh my God, I remember that. Oh my God makes so much sense oh my god that's so true yes yes oh well thank you so much this was absolutely wonderful and um for anyone listening I hope that you all have a fabulous weekend um still planning on uh running running I don't know promoting small businesses so if you are a small business and you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast um please reach out to me. My email is in the show notes. Thank you all guys. Have a fantastic weekend. Bye.